Amen, amen. I got to get out of my untangled mess up here, you know. I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm going to start off by telling you guys how how awesome everything is. Can y'all bring the lights up? No, but yesterday was so awesome because I had, you know, I had all these men. There, I think there was like 10 of us that, you know, were there. And we were doing these, you know, amazing things. I had never forged anything. I've never, you know, put something in a fire and, and you know, taken a hammer and hammered it out. And it was pretty awesome. And what I was sitting there thinking to myself is, and, you know, the Lord had put it on my heart to talk about iron sharpening iron. And we need people to sharpen ourselves. You know, hey, ladies, I know y'all painted yesterday, but y'all need a little iron to sharpen some iron. I'm just going to tell you, okay? You need somebody that just doesn't come and give you the emotional tingles. Because that's typically, and we've talked about love the last few weeks. Love is not, well, you know, this person, I like them and I like what they do and I like how they are. No, you need people in your life to tell you the truth. And there's a lot of times in life that the truth hurts. I mean, it hurts. And you'll be sitting there having a conversation with someone. Well, they just were so mean to me. They, they told me that what I was doing was wrong. Yes, yes, you need somebody to tell you sometimes what you're doing is hurting you. It's hurting other people. You know, that's one of the reasons why we need to have fellowships with people. We need to have those opportunities to come together and for iron to sharpen iron. That means to knock off all the rough edges, the things that were, that were on you, right? You know, I, I really believe that a lot of times the world just puts stuff on you. It keeps you from being sharp. And if you don't have iron sharpening iron, then you won't cut it in life because you won't be sharp enough. Amen? Amen. And we've actually been talking about love for the last few weeks. And, you know, I'm kind of moving on to something else because I think this ties in. The Lord's put this on my heart. There's some areas of my life, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's areas in your life where you're needing to think differently. After doing this love series, I was so just like, I don't know, in my mind, I'd gotten to the point to where I knew God loved me. I have a hope in a lot of areas. But you know, there's some areas I don't have hope in. I have some wrong thinking in my mind about some of the things that are going on in my life. I see things the way that they are, should not be. I see some stuff in my life because I don't like it. How many people's got stuff in your life that you don't like? If you don't put your hand up, you're lying in church. I'm just going to tell you. But see, the thing is, everybody, everyone has things in their life that they don't like. And the problem is, is that we need to change our stinking thinking. Because our thinking is what is going to propel us into the future. See, we need to know that God loves us. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Everybody, I, if y'all don't know 1 Corinthians 13, 13, after I've been through this message, set of messages, man, you're going to not get it. I'm just going to tell you, you got a problem in life. Because 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And that word greatest means first, it's elder. It means that it is the foundation. So when we love and are being loved by God then now we have a hope. We can go have an imagination. How many people have seen things about their life? 
You know, I love, I love what we've been doing here with my son is because we got to go to my, mine and Heather's alma mater on Friday. We went to UAB. He's already been accepted there. He's got a scholarship and everything. He also has one to Alabama and to Montevallo, and he probably could have them to other places. He's a smart boy. I'm proud of you. I really am proud of you. But see, this is the thing I want you to understand is that he knows he's loved. He's got an imagination. He's been talking to us about all the things about life, right? So this is the beauty time in your life. This is the time in your life. It's like, woo, I see the, my life out in front of me. It looks great. I'm going to have an awesome, awesome life. And then guess what? You actually get out of college. You go to work. You get a family. And all that's great. But then you got to work. You got to work. And every day you got to get up and work. And you're like, Lord, I thought this was going to be fun. You know, there are times where I go to work and I have fun. But there's times where I go to work and you know what happens? I work. And work is not always fun. The past couple of weeks I've been getting ready for this Grid X thing. And, I've, and it's a, a national tabletop. I, I'm, I'm cybersecurity focused in, in my job. And so I was... I was putting this thing together. We have 250 plus people that I've got to party plan. So all the things y'all did yesterday and all the party stuff that we did yesterday, think about that times like 25. That's what I'm having to do. I'm having to make sure that people, you know, we know who's going to be playing all this, you know, food, where are you going to be sitting? How do we get in contact with you? All that. Delegate. Well, guess what? All the people that I delegated to, they took off last week. (laughs) And you know, I was sitting there mad. I was upset. How dare this thing fall back onto me when I'm supposed to, this was supposed to be my last year. I was supposed to be teaching others to do it. But you know, this is the thing. The Lord told me, he goes, it's going to be great. It's, there's going to be awesome things that's going to come out of this. Your name's going to be known because of this. You're going to have a great hoorah. It's going to be good. And you know what? Those were the kind of things that kept trying to come into my mind that the Lord was telling me. And while I was sulking, how many people had a pity party where, the, where you're like going, Lord, I don't want to think about how great it's going to be at the end. I want to think about how this is just hurting my feelings. But you know what? The Lord wouldn't let me up. He wouldn't give in to my pity party. And so as I'm working at seven plus at night, you know, been working almost, you know, 12 hours and you're sitting there going, how do I get all this stuff together? The Lord just kept saying, it's going to be fine. You're going to get it done. And you know, at the end of the day, my thinking was wrong. You know why? Because I could have been working while I was sitting there pity partying. And I would have been a lot closer than I was before. See, that's what we end up doing is the reason why we always get to that procrastination station. You know, that place at the end of it where you're on the train to procrastination and it's just sitting dead on the tracks like all the trains in Alabaster. They sit right across the road. No one can go. Everything's just sitting there perfectly still. Well, you know what? Every time you procrastinate, every time you think wrong, you stop. The Lord says, hey, you got to keep moving. you got to keep going. 
There's good on the other side. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, it's a valley that has a shadow of death. It's not Death Valley. This is not like going to LSU, right? You go to LSU, everybody's like, oh, that's Death Valley. You go that people's dreams go there to die. Well, you know, there are times in my life where I saw the valley of the shadow of death and I thought, this is it. It's, it's over. My life's over. Everything's over. You know why? Because my thinking was wrong. Now, I say all this because we've been talking about love and we've been talking about hope. But you can't get past, if you don't have love of God and understand that God loves you, then you won't have that imagination to be able to say, you know what, I can see past my circumstances. I can see past where I'm at and I'm going to be good on the other side. Then I trust in God's word. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Man, that one right there has carried me a long way. My God supplies all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I am the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath. You know what? I say these things to myself all the time. Sometimes I believe them. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, help me, Lord. Help me. See, these are the things that we all have to understand is that if we don't have our thinking right, our future is in the balance. There's a, good, there's a good point to this, and we're going to see this in here in just a minute, is that God is there through every single circumstance that you've got, and He can put you back on the track. He can get your train moving. Amen? Amen. We're going to go ahead and get started here. All right. So we're going to talk about Isaiah 54. A lot of people probably heard, uh, you know, this is, this is the prosperity, you know, of the Lord. We've got to expand our tents. You know, I want you to understand, this has nothing to do with your household. This has nothing to do with how much money you got in your wallet. This right here has to do with the way you think. (coughs) Excuse me. In fact, Isaiah 54, I'll go ahead and get into it. Isaiah 54, 1 says, Sing, O barren, you who have not a boar, so they've not had a child, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child. Okay, I want you to understand something. I'm going to stop right there. This right here has to do with people who have not had a harvest. I'm going to say it again. You who have not bore. You know, there's a lot of times in our life where we're we're wanting something or we see something or we think, man, these people over here, they're doing great. Why did I not do that? Or why didn't I do it? You know why? It's because we have not planted the seed and we have not seen the harvest. See, those who are, who are not bore their harvest, what they're trying to do, what you're trying to see here is that in their mind, they, have, they don't even know where to start. They, they've not even planted a seed. They've not seen anything. And they're going, and God's saying, hey, you know what? Go ahead and start singing because your time is coming. Your time of seed planting is coming. You're going to have a child. You know what happens is most people go, I want a harvest. And they go, well, you didn't plant a seed. Well, let me go plant a seed in the name of Jesus. And then all of a sudden it's like, where's my harvest? Five seconds later, I'm supposed to have the harvest. It's the microwave harvest, right? I put this in and all of a sudden it boils and then I put my you know, instant soup in. You know, 
There's a reason why instant soup tastes like instant soup. It's because they didn't start with, you know, a chicken and put it in a pot and got all the goodness, all the, all the fat and all the, the gelatin out of that chicken. Ooh, goodness. You start getting some unctuousness out of that, that chicken broth. Oh, my gosh. See, then you add all your vegetables and you add all the other stuff. But the instant soup, you take water, you put it in a microwave, you stir it up, and it's like what what was that see that's what most people do with their faith is they sit back and they have not planted a seed they want the instant rather than the long term and see that's exactly what it's saying here is that in order to have a child women that's had a child out here how long does it take for y'all to have a child nine months do you know that most people don't do anything for nine months? Especially nowadays. You wouldn't be sitting there going, hey, I got, a, I got a, a season where I plant and a season where it grows and a season when it harvests, when I get my fruit. And see, this is what this is saying here is sing. Because guess what? You've not bore anything, but it's going to happen. We're going to start seeing some harvest because you're going to plant and it says, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For from, I'm sorry, for more are the children of the desolate. These are the stupid kids. That's what this word means. The desolate means, it means to stun or to grow numb or to stupefy. See, what I want you to understand is that we get harvests all the time. Everybody in here has a harvest. Because you plant stuff all the time. Some, it's not God's stuff. It's a lot of other stuff. How many, people, how many people know this? That if you go and you just throw seed in your front yard, you get weeds, right? Most of the time I got weeds in my front yard, you know? So you, you have seeds that you didn't want to plant that got planted in your front yard and there's weeds that pop up everywhere. Well, see, these are the stupid things. How many people walked past their front yard and went, Stupid weed. I do. I'm like, man, spend all this money on grass and on all this other stuff and stupid weeds come up. Well, you know what? The same thing is happening in our own lives. We are, we are planting stuff into our heart. We're planting stuff in that's popping up all the time. And we go, man, that's stupid. Why did that happen? Well, it's because we allowed something to be planted in our heart that we started believing more than the thing God wanted to plant in our heart. And it says right here, so these, uh, these stupid kids, these uh, stupid harvests that you have, they, you know, it says, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. See, this is, the married woman is somebody who planned. You know, when I was 19 years old, I, I, I asked Heather to marry me. And we got married a year later and then like four and a half years later we we got pregnant with Kaylee well you know it wasn't like I said well at 19 years old we're just gonna have a kid or maybe not even try to have a kid but we had a kid you know what I mean and then you're like well now I gotta get married and now I've got to now I've got to figure out how to take care of this kid and I'm 19 years old see those are the kind of things that happen 
when we didn't plan. Those are the kind of things that when we didn't plan for them, they popped up anyway because we planted a seed that we didn't want, but we did it anyway. Does that make sense to everybody? See, we need to understand that God is trying to, he's trying to separate out the things that come at us that we didn't want. The things that we didn't even desire to do. Sometimes we plant those seeds because we just did. There was a, a moment of, of I didn't, you know, I didn't have the right plan. I didn't think through it. I didn't, by the way, I didn't have enough within me to stop myself from doing this thing that was harmful. And see, God is sitting here going, hey, wait a minute. No, no, no. And it says, and the Lord said in verse 2, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out and the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For In verse 3 it says, For shall, for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabitable. I want you to understand that same word desolate is right there. The stupid kids brought up these cities, right? They didn't know what they were doing. It, it was built upon. There was the wrong harvest. There was nothing that, that was in, in the plan of God at the time. And God's saying, hey, you, you and you and you, you're going to have good children and they're going to go take over those areas where the stupid kids, where they built all their cities. Now you may be going, man, I know some stupid people down the street. Am I going to get their house? No, this is not about people. This is about the way we think. And by the way, how many people have had stupid thoughts? Oh, I was fixing to say, if y'all, all y'all's hands didn't come, I was just going to close it out. We were going to go to the house because you're not paying attention. But this is what I want you to understand is that in our lives, we continuously do stupid things. We have seeds that we plant. And God is saying, if we'll expand our thinking and get a hold of God's plan, He'll even take the desolate things that was already created by those things that you didn't want to have happen and He will make them inhabitable for you. Oh my, y'all, I thought we was going to have people running around the building here. You know, there's a lot of things in my life that, woo, I, there's, some, there's some stupid things that I've done that God's going to make inhabitable for me. That's That's amazing. I just got to change my thinking. I got to change. There's some people in here that you don't ever believe that things can be better. There's some people in here that don't ever believe that good can come out of some of your circumstances. And I'm telling you, God is saying that he wants to make those uninhabitable, those, those stupid places, those stupid things, he wants to make them inhabitable for you. Amen. 
Verse 3, it says, For you shall expand from the left to the right, and your descendants will inherit the, the nations. Your seed and your harvest will come back, and it will inhabit those desolate areas, those stupid things. And verse 4, it says, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, the youthful thinking, the dumb things that you did a long time ago. How about this? You can have some youthful thinking right now and you can be well over your youth. I have some really stupid things that I think all the time. And I'm 46 years old. Do you know that we will have better and it will go beyond the things that we've already done. And it says here in verse, um, verse 4, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither will be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the repro- reproach of your widowhood anymore. That means the things that had died in your life, the things that had that had not grown, you're not going to see those anymore. You know, there's things that God's changed my thoughts on that I don't ever think about anymore. If somebody came up and said, do you remember that? I, there's times where I'm going, i got to think about that. I don't know if I do remember it. And it says in verse 5, for your maker is your husband. Uh-oh. That means that God is going to plant the seed. You know, there's a lot of sex in the Bible. These are some of the things that we need to understand is that, you know, and Jason and I were talking about this. You know, when we put on the full armor of God, it says, it says the loin belt of truth in the full armor of God. It means that you're supposed to plant seed in truth. When you put on that full armor of God, then you're planting a seed of truth. I know people go, well, that, that's kind of, That's kind of out there, Dusty. Well, no, God created men and women to bear children. Well, he also created our mind, will, and emotions to bear fruit of goodness and righteousness. And so we need to be planting seed. So God is our husbandman. He's the one that's going to plant the seed if we allow him to. And that seed is going to be good seed. It's going to be the kind of seed that brings up good children. It's going to bring up good inhabitants. It's going to bring up the goodness that's in us. Amen? I know that was kind of weird. Most people go, I don't ever think about the Bible and sex. But you know, you got got to understand, that's what we were created for. We were created to procreate and to create children. But we were also created to grow and expand what God has for our mind, our will, and our emotions. And see, God uses these terms because He wants you to know that you can plant something that is good. You can plant something that is, that is decent because He is going to be the one that's going to give you the seed. Amen? Amen. And it says right here, For your Maker is your husbandman, the Lord of the host." In his name and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called to uh, He is called the God of the whole earth. God's redemption makes us different makes up the difference. So start expanding the way we think. Allow good seeds to be planted into your life. Amen.
All right. Changing your thinking changes your belief. Now, anybody, anybody watch, you know, like Dumb and Dumber or anything like that? I know a lot of people are like, well, I don't like Dumb and Dumber. Well, you know what? There, you can get a lot out of Dumb and Dumber. Don't be them. That's number one. Okay? Don't do it. Mr. Bean, it's just funny. Okay? If you, if you don't like Mr. Bean, there's something wrong with you. But it says right here in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart. So any person, a man, a woman, as they think in their heart, that is their mind, their will, and their emotions, so is he or she. Eat and drink, he said to you, but the heart, this core belief system is not with you. Do you know that as we think in our heart, that's what we're going to be. Our core beliefs are what we're going to be. In fact, our core beliefs are going to be the things that are, going to, that are going to outweigh anything else. In fact, I can sit here and I can say, you know, I want everybody to say, I have a million dollars. How many people have a million dollars? Anybody? You're a liar, I know. You don't have a million dollars. See, the thing is, is that this is not about what we say only. This is about what we believe when we say it. Mark 11, 23, 24. How many people know that? that was, if anybody in here, word of faith, Kenneth Hagin wrote that one according to some people because he used it every single time he preached just about. But it is true. It says, if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in your heart, in your core belief system, but whatsoever things when you say them, that if you believe them, they shall come to pass. Now I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that on the word of faith side, we're going, I'm just going to say it until it happens. Well, that's not the way it works. We have to know God's word and his promise and where he's taken us. And then we can believe God. We can have faith in it. So, you know, the Lord didn't put in the word that, well, everybody believes for a million dollars is going to get a million dollars. Okay. Now, if you have a million dollars show up in your backyard tomorrow, I probably would have it checked out because God did not make money. Now, if you have a big chunk of gold in your backyard or something, then great, go ahead. But I'm going to tell you, money is a man thing. Okay? Do I have to explain this? I think I'm going to have to. Money was created by man. God said, here's the resources of the world. And money is something that man said... This is the way that we want to barter. Work for work in time for money. And see, this is what we need to understand that God, when he talks about prosperity, he's talking about opportunity. And opportunity is something that comes to us so that we can take our time and then we can actually make that million dollars. See, we need to understand then our core belief systems, that we, what we say out of our mouth, if we get that check, like, no, I don't really believe that. You know, if I was to, you know, if you're riding down the road and all of a sudden a truck pulls in front of you and all of a sudden you say, uh, bleep, you know, a, a bad word, then that's what you believe. You believe, oh my God, I'm, I'm dead. 
you know, I've actually heard some people and all of a sudden they go, you know, they start going, you know, my God is a mighty warrior. He's going to, you know, take me out of all situations. And, and they start speaking the word. And you're like, wow, that was something that just came out of them. They weren't having to go, what's those scriptures? What's those things that I believe? But I've, I've heard people, but I've also heard people go, oh my God, I almost died. You know, you know, those are the kind of things that we have to understand is that the thing that you think first is what you believe. Something happens in your life and all of a sudden you go, well, it's over. <laughs> That's what you truly believe. You, you kind of were like, I heard, I heard this guy on, on, a, on a podcast one time and he said, you know, the moment that this thing happened, I always knew from the beginning that it was not going to last. And he was talking about this business that he had started. And they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's the way people feel all the time. And I'm like, well, you know, I will tell you what you believe is going to be the first thing that's going to, that's going to hit you. Whether or not, you, whether or not it, it happens or not, I'm not saying that, you know, because there's been people who say, I feel like I'm an imposter and, and I've, I can't do this job or I can't have this business or I can't do something. But one of the things that I want you to understand is that God, when he put it in us, he gave us the right to either believe something or not believe it. We don't, we don't have a neutral in that. A lot of times we might not know, we might not thought about it. But I got news for you, most things we've thought about it a lot. Because either we're in faith or we're in worry. That's the two things that we're in. And see, one of the things I want you to understand is that if we have a core belief, it's just going to come out. It's going to be the first thing that hits you right here between your ears. And it says in verse 8, it says, The morsels you have eaten, you, you will vomit them up and waste your pleasant words. Do not speak in hearing of fools, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. You know that a lot of times we also go find fools to go ask questions to. Don't do it. You need to find people who are going to build you up in the word that's going to bring about goodness in your heart that's going, to, that's going to help to plant those seeds and to water those seeds. You know, God, through his word and through his, what he's telling you, it plants a seed. But then we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we plant, we water those, those seeds until they become a harvest. Amen? All right, the way we think is the way we believe. Some people fake it until they make it, so don't. In life and in love, we should choose to change our beliefs. You know, th that was something that really hit me a couple of years ago was, you know, Andrew Womack had talked about how God had told him in 2000 that his, that his beliefs were wrong. And he said, I don't know how I'm going to change my, my, my beliefs, but Lord, I'm going to start now. You know, it's so funny is I think that the number one thing that we need to understand is that we have a heart issue. And the moment you have a heart issue, you're open to God planting something else in your heart. Because Andrew Womack says within just two or three months, he already started believing differently. Well, that was something that hit me. I was like, all I've got to do is I've got to just, I've just got to know that I have a wrong thinking here. And then I'm allowing God to go and change those thoughts. It's amazing. I, I want you guys to do that. If you actually, if there's something that's popping up in your head, because everybody right now is going, there's some thinking that I've got. 
that I need to change. I, I've got a couple of things right now that the Lord's been dealing with me on. I've got to get some stinking thinking out of my head. And see, those are the kind of things that you go, Lord, help me to change it. Amen? Amen. All right. So what, you're face, so what you face uh, with a tough reality, uh, what are those things that you're thinking? When the tough reality comes at you, when, when things are happening, what are you thinking about? That's really is what's going to make sure that you understand what your belief system is. And you know, and, and in this last, this last little bit here, I just want to show you something. Because I think this is important for us to know is that even the most faithful has had some stumbling blocks. Galatians 3, 5-7, it says, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of the faith are the sons of Abraham. Now I want you to understand this. Abraham did not have a law. How many people understand that? Abraham was before the law. So Abraham did just like everybody else. He had to believe God. He had to believe in faith. Now the children of Israel, they had complete weird issues. So God had to create the Mosaic and Levitical law in order to put them in their box, right? But Abraham himself fell into this place where he had to believe God. Now, let me ask you a question. If you lived in the middle of the desert, you had nothing and you were doing nothing, and all of a sudden God came and talked to you about something, do you think you'd believe it? Especially if you were like 100 years old. I mean, just think about it. I'm 46 years old, and there's things that are hard for me to believe that I could accomplish, right? Because I haven't done it in the first 46 years of my life. Well, think about being 100 years old. In fact, we're going to exactly see how most people would react. In fact, in Genesis 17, 17, it says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. <laughs> God, yeah, I'm a hundred years old. I'm not having any kids. Sarah's 90. I'm just trying to, I mean, Sarah must have been an awesome looking lady. 90 years old and all these people wanted her. All the kings were after her. One of these days when I'm in heaven, I'm going to go find Sarah. I'm going to say, I want to see what you look like. I'm not saying I want Sarah. I got to see what this was about. I'll be finding you first. We'll go find her, okay? But I'm just thinking to myself, you know, at 90 years old, they were walking around and there was all these kings that was trying to come get her. You're thinking, oh man, 90 years old. Well, let me ask you a question. When did all that happen? I believe it happened after God's promise to them. And I believe Sarah got younger and younger and younger. I believe God's promise said, hey, if this is what you got to do in order to be able to carry a kid for nine months, I'm going to put you back into a place to where you can carry the kid. How do I know that? I don't know it for for a fact, but this is just what Dusty believes because would you 
Do you know any 90-year-olds that can carry a baby for nine months and give birth? Anybody? No! So God had to make both Abraham, his ability to have a kid, and Sarah's ability to have a kid. Only young people can do that. See, that's what I want you to understand is that God will change your circumstance in order to get his promise out. You know what? One of the things about this is that you may be 46, you may be 66, you may be 76, you may be 86, and God is still calling you to do something, and you're going, I don't know if I can do this. I'm too old. I don't feel like it. And the Lord says, I can change your circumstance so that you can accomplish all the things that I have told you you're supposed to accomplish. You don't tell me what to do. I'm God. I want you to understand God is God and you aren't. And if God comes back and says you're going to accomplish something and you say yes, then you know what happens? You become a person of faith just like Abraham. You become one of his children. You are in line and like Abraham. In fact, it says right here, it says, Abraham fell on his face and he laughed and he said in his heart, shall a child be more to a man who is a hundred years old and Sarah who is 90 years old who bears a child? And Abraham said, oh, that Ishmael may live before you. And God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for the everlasting covenant and his descendants after him. You know what? God can take a 100-year-old person and a 90-year-old person and he can give them a baby. And he can make her go nine months. He can make her have that baby. He can make that baby be raised by her. I mean, Sarah, if you look at the timelines of everything with Isaac... Sarah was probably somewhere in the ballpark of about 95 to 98 years old when she got pregnant. She wasn't 90 when she got pregnant. There's a long period of time where she's going, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh, Lord. And Abraham's going, "Eh, I don't know how this is going to happen. See, I want you to understand something that God himself said, I don't care if you're 200 years old if that's what I've got to do in order to get the line out of you and that's what I wanted you to do. You to do. You to do. Not somebody else to do. How many people thought, well, there'll be somebody else that will do what I'm supposed to do? There's a lot of people. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I didn't see your hands go up, but I'm going to tell you what. There's a lot of people that sit there and go, well, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this thing and all of a sudden you go. But you know what? That's for a young person. Or you know what? That's for someone else. You know, there's been plenty of people I've known that said, well, I was white and I wanted to go to Africa or I wanted to go to South America and I wanted to do something for the Lord. But I thought to myself, I'm not going to be able to be in that culture. I'm not going to be able to do the things that they're going to want me to do. You know, what's funny is I met one of them a couple, couple of weeks ago and they it completely revolutionized their life. You know, it went... These people went from just being normal people, lived in the States and did their thing, and then now they go live all over the world. 
And they're seeing people get saved that don't look like them, that don't act like them, that don't have the same cultural backgrounds. And they're in their 60s. They started when they were in their late 50s. Do you know what? He's making them younger. I looked at these two people and I was like, you don't have a gray head on your head. Look at all this white, guys. I'm just going to tell you right here. You look all this white in my beard and everything else. This dude didn't have, he was black-headed, did not have a single white hair in his whole whole body. You know why? Because he said, man, I feel energized every single day to do what God is calling me to do. You know what? When we do what God is calling us to do, He will put us in a place. He will give us the strength. He will give us whatever we need to be able to do these things. You know, I will tell you this. God is calling people in this exact room to do some amazing things. And you may go, well, am I going to go to Africa? Probably not. But there may be people down your street. There may be people that that are youth. You know what? I... I've seen people who were in their 50s and 60s that were doing youth back when we used to do uh, youth camps and stuff. And they would bring these kids in and they didn't understand anything that they're saying. These kids are speaking in their lingo and doing all this and they're just their 60-something-year-old self just going, I just brought them here and I'm just going to do what the Lord tells me to do. And they'd get out there and do stupid dances or whatever it is with them. But see... They change their thinking to I can't to I will. You know, you can change your thinking from I can't to I will. See, there's a problem with saying I can when you come from can't. It's the fact that your will has to get involved. Because I can say I can and I believe it not to be so. But if I tell myself I will do it, then that means that I'm going to do it even though I don't want to do it. And you know what? I've found plenty of times in my life where I've been doing stuff and I didn't want to do it. And then now, man, all of a sudden, it just starts clicking. It's the good thing. So right here, it says uh, in Genesis chapter 17, verse 17, you know, it said, or I'm sorry, in verse 19, it says, Then God said, No, Sarah is your wife, and she shall bear your son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and all with his descendants after him. What does it say up here in verse uh, verse 7? It says, Therefore know that only those who are in faith are the sons of Abraham. You have been attached to Abraham through your faith. God will call you to amazing things and to do great things. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to read a couple of these. You know, Ishmael's what happens when you don't understand the plan. You know, when we were talking about Isaiah 54, the, the children of the desolate, look at all the people that right now, Palestinians and, and Israelis, they are coming together because of idealisms that happened around Isaac and Ishmael. They're not, by the way, they're not their descendants. The Palestinians are not the descendants. I'm just going to tell you, okay? I mean, those people were there before, before, you know, Ishmael was there. 
This has nothing to do with ethnicity or color of skin or anything. This has to do with, with the thinking behind it. What did Sarah do? Sarah turned around, looked at Abraham and said, Hey, I know I'm supposed to have a kid for you, but hey, I'll give you my, my, my girl servant here. You know what Abraham said? All right. Sounds good to me. Well, you know what? That was the easy way. And the easy way produced a mindset that is causing conflict and has caused conflict for thousands and thousands of years. You know, Islam is only about 1,200 years old. I, I hope everybody knew that. Islam has nothing to do with the Bible. It, it, I mean, it, it really is a weird religion that was just created on the fly. It, it, it has no bearing on God, Christianity, nothing. In fact, Allah was actually a moon-worshipped deity in the area. When people go, Allah and God are the same thing, they are not the same thing. Allah came from the moon worshippers. It's the reason why they have the little moon. It's because it was actually something when, when Muhammad came into practice, they, they said, hey, write us a religion that is based off of these other things and we will give you great, you know, the 72 virgins and all this other stuff. If you don't, we'll kill you. And he said, where do I write this stuff down? I'll just go ahead and I'll write it right now. And it's the most weird book. If you've ever read the, and I've read through, the, not all of it, cover to cover, but it's based on someone who really did not understand the Bible. They did not understand their relationship with God. And it is so, I mean, one minute he's talking about loving everybody, and the next minute it's kill the infidels. And then the next minute, I mean, it's literally structured like somebody who was on, like, you know, some sort of depression medicine. I mean, one minute I'm happy, one minute it's like kill everyone. I mean, and that's the way it was. <clears throat> but I want you to understand something. This whole plan was uprooted and has been a problem for Israel for quite some time. God tells us to do something and we'll usually do it before we understand it. Don't the moment that God puts something in your heart that you just go run out and do it because you don't know the plan yet. You know, a lot of times God, like when God told me to start this church and to do these things, you know, I told the Lord, I said, look, I don't know how to do this. You're going to have to put people in my path. And I, we left Victory Christian Fellowship and we went with Jim and Kelly McCann and went up to Jacksonville. We were there for a year. And then we went to, over to Life of Faith and we were with Mark Manchin and we met Brad Holloman and Selena Holloman and we started Life of Faith North. It's up in Warrior right now. And I was the co-pastor with, with Brad Holloman. Do you know that God says, well, I will give you opportunities to do things in order to know what you're supposed to do. I think it's a very stupid. If somebody said, hey, I want to go and I want to be a missionary to South America. I'm going to Venezuela tomorrow. God told me today. Don't do it because you ain't going to know nothing about it. You need some training. You need to be around people. You need to take the time. Do you know that when... Abraham was told this, he was 100 years old. He was like 110 years old before he actually had Isaac. 
See, we need to understand this and we need to understand that every step in our life needs to be something that is going towards God and going towards His purpose because when we get to the end of our steps, we've accomplished everything. It's not, oh, we've arrived and now we start. Man, I'm still stepping through what God is telling me to do. I haven't made it. I, I have not arrived, believe me. This is, this is only one piece of what God has told me. But see, we need to understand in our own lives that God says, I want to walk with you. You're, you're never done until you die. Keep walking. And it says right here, you know, you know, Isaac is what happens when the plan comes together. When you have faith in what God's word said and what his and how he's put the seed into your heart. You know, I'm now getting harvest off of things that I did years ago that is helping to sustain me in things that I do now. That had nothing to do with what I'm doing now. Well, see, those are the kind of things that we need to do is when we walk with God, He is going to give us a purpose and a plan, and He's going to help us walk it out. Amen? Everybody bow your head. Close your eyes. You know, I want us this week to take some time and to understand in all of the different things that we're doing that God has a purpose and a plan. You may say, I'm stuck and I've not been able to get to the place that God has shown me and, and I believe there's something even greater for me somewhere on the other side of this, but I don't know what to do. The thing is, is you're one step away from beginning that journey. But the more that you just say, I don't know, Lord, and I just am stopped, that means that you are just doing the opposite. And God is saying, get my plan, get my purpose, get the things that you know that you're supposed to be doing and start there. And God will plant a seed in your heart. But you have to be the one that says, I am willing and I am able to do all the things that God has called me to do. Father, I, I thank you, dear Lord, for each and every person that's listening to this. I thank you, Father, that you are putting a plan and a purpose in their heart. That there are things that have been in their heart that they've not known where to go and what to do. And Father, you are bringing about an understanding of the next steps. That this is a place where people are saying, I've had stinking thinking in this area. And I know for myself, Father, I am, I am making a decree today that I am going to think differently about a couple of areas in my life. And I'm going to see the right outcomes. And I'm going to see myself overcoming. I'm going to see myself being in the right place and doing the right things. And Father, I just pray over each and every one of them that as they go that you're leading people across their path that they can express and tell the love of God to so that they, so they can be bearers of seed for those that are in their life. And Father, I pray over each and every one of them that they have a great week. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be down front if you need prayer for anything, but if not, you guys have a great week. You're dismissed. Thank you.